morning class. I'm sorry, I just wanted to do that. Welcome. I want to let you know we're all glad you're here today. And uh, i got a few announcements I need to go over very briefly just to let everybody know what's going on. The first thing is a little thing called Treats from the Trunk. You're all familiar with that. We provide candy for the kids in a safe environment out back. And it's a very exciting time. Uh, I want to encourage you all to be working on your on your booth, I guess you call it, because it's not a trunk anymore. It's went way beyond a trunk for several years ago. But we'll remind you also that we need candy. Lots and lots of candy. And there is a box. If you go straight out these doors through the small dome, at the other side there is a huge box just to the right of the bookstore. And uh, that is where you need to bring your candy Every year we have a st- somebody on standby ready to run to Walmart to get more candy if needed. Now, we haven't had to do that recently, but uh, that's because everybody provides. But we do want to remind you to be bringing that in. And uh, your small group leaders should have a list of the types of candy we're wanting to give because uh, we're not wanting to give out all the good stuff. You know, we got to have some filler, don't we? And uh, But we do want some good stuff, so we want to remind you that. The other thing, guys, is the men's retreat is coming up in November. <laughs> Thank you, James. Oh, that was Michael. Oh, I thought it was James. I thought it was out of character for him. <laughs> men's retreat, November 14th and 15th up at Lake Williamson. Uh, remind you about that, guys. You go to the small dome, or the, the information booth in the small dome. I don't know if sign-up is there yet. Uh, but you guys be planning ahead for it. I always encourage the guys that are in my group, if you can, to grab the afternoon off or even the whole day and just try to make a, you know, a little bit more of a relaxing time of it. Actually make it a retreat. And it's just a good time to hang out with other guys that are trying to follow Jesus. And, uh, we want to encourage that. Anyway, we are in the middle of a lesson series on the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, we're, it's more than a sermon series. We're in a, study as a church of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is going to continue on through the end of the year. Uh, Tim and I, and I guess Alan will be here in a few weeks, we, we're taking turns speaking about the Sermon on the Mount and, and going through it. Our small groups are going reading a book called Living Jesus by Randy Harris. If you're interested in that, I believe there's still some in the bookstore uh, out in the small dome. And uh, guys, we just, we just really convicted I mean, a few years ago, I was, I was talking about Greater Alton. I said, guys, we have an epidemic of immaturity. And what it was, we had people who were religious, by and large, but we weren't maturing. I mean, we were doing religious things. We were going through the motions. We were good people. We were here on Sundays. But by and large, we weren't, our relationship with Jesus wasn't growing deeper and deeper. We weren't becoming more and more like Jesus. And it was, it was all over the place. Uh, one of the characteristics that came out of that is that we found we had a real weakness when it comes to reconciling when there was conflict. That we weren't people who knew how to make peace with each other the way Jesus told us to. And these are all things that are taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I like to refer to it as basic Christianity or Christianity 101. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And... I'm beginning to believe that everything else Jesus did after this and taught about this was just pointing back to what he taught in the Sermon on the Mount and was trying to give us a further understanding of it, an explanation of how to live it. And, guys, that's what we really want to be. I mean, John chapter 8, Jesus said that if you're really my disciples, you'll hold to my teachings. And we want to be a group of people who really follow Jesus, who aren't just saying that and claiming the name of Christ and calling ourselves a Christian. We want to be people who apply what God's Word has to say. And guys, that's what this is all about. We're trying to get back to some basics. And guys, I guarantee, I'm excited about it. I am very excited. The more I get into into all this, uh, you know, I'm reading it on my own, I'm reading the book, I'm leading a small group... And uh, Alan has some, you know, Alan, last week we referred to him. He is officially known now as the theologian, okay? If Alan, the guy who was up here leading songs, he's a, a, one, one of the three elders, and he, he studies deep, and he has some additional study notes that he's emailing out to us. And if you want to get your hands on those, you can. Just ask around, and we'll be happy to email them to you, and you can, you can have those as well. But, guys, it's exciting 
when you look at what God's Word has to say and you see how it applies to you. Do you know that? Now, I'm a believer that God will speak to you. Now, that may sound a little nuts, but it is the truth. I believe when you are sincerely seeking God and you're looking through the Bible, He'll say things like, Would you pay a little closer attention to that? He'll say, Would you read that again? And this time, read it thinking about yourself instead of somebody else. You know, he does that. He, it, it, is, it is so incredible. I believe that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The guy, he said that the Holy Spirit would lead us into all truth. And guys, that's what the Word of God's there for. It's not to pass a test. It's not to have the right doctrine. It's there to live. And that means that every one of us as individuals have to look at what God's Word has to say and say, I want to do that. And sometimes we, need, we don't see how to do that. And God will sit there and you'll be reading and He'll say, uh, I think you have a problem with this. What? Yes, let's give some attention to that. And so guys, I see that beginning here at Greater Alton. I see that going on through this study. And I'm excited about it because I believe that's what God wants us to be. That's the kind of people that God wants us to be. is the kind that look at what He has to say and take some action on it. Today we, are, we find ourselves, we're looking at uh, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, which is another one of the Beatitudes, and it, is, it simply reads this, God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now guys, I want to back up a minute. Last week I was up here and I, I, I said that the, you could just as easily transport that where it says God blesses, and traditionally it says blessed you know, is happy. And that's, you know, you can say happy are those who are merciful. And Alan was, was the theologian, again, had a word with me afterwards. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's a theologian, you know, looks for the deep things of God, and he's a Cubs fan. <laughs> you want to you wanna see true faith embodied, you look at Cubs fans, okay? Always next year, wait, our time will come, and they believe it. I don't care about a stadium. <laughs> anyway, he had a word with me, and what he was saying is, Gary, I don't, I, he's uncomfortable with this happy is. And I said, well, what do you, he says, well, I like to think about, you know, instead of saying blessed or happy, he says, you're in a good place when... You're in a good place when you're merciful. You're in a good place when you hunger and thirst after righteousness. And guys, it's really a, it, it, there's a lot of semantics there. Um, is one better than the other? He's just saying he likes that better. You're in a good place. And I think, that's, I think it's very accurate that you can say you're in a good place when you are merciful. I believe you'll be happy. Or you're, you're much more prone to be happy, let me say that, when you are a merciful person. And what we're going, to, we're going to be talking about this all today and uh, looking what it is. But I want to start out here, and this isn't on your notes, but it should be up on the screen. I always think it, find it helpful just to look at the, at the definition of the word we're looking at. And when you look at the English definition of the word mercy, this is what you come up with. If first of all, they say mercy equals compassion. And then I put the definition of compassion there. It says, compassion is a feeling of sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune. And I think this is significant. It says it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. It's not just, oh, I feel bad because you're going through that. It's, I want to do what I can to help. And it goes on, it says, compassion or kindly forbearance. Forbearance is abstaining from the enforcement of a right. Okay? Shown toward an offender or other person in one's power. And guys, what that means is, I mean, in a simple way, when you look at all this, the way I like to say it is mercy is I'm willing to give up my rights to help somebody that's in need. That's what it is. I have the right to something, and there's two aspects of it that generally fall under. One is forgiveness. I mean, that makes sense, right? You're going to show mercy, you're going to forgive somebody. If somebody's violated you and somebody's offended you, they're in need of forgiveness. And you're willing to give up your right to justice in order to forgive. Guys, the other is the idea of generosity. 
You know, uh, when you are helping somebody else that's in need financially, you are taking what you have a right to, your money, and you are helping somebody else to meet their need. Guys, and you're not trying to judge them. I mean, it's absent of judgment. You may be correct in your judgment. Well, they blew all their money and now they, you know, they're in this situation. Well, you hate to blow all your money, so you're having mercy on them. You're giving up your right to help their situation. Now, there may be times when what they need is to deal with the consequences of their situation. I understand all that. But guys, what we want to talk about today and what we want to look at is, is what is, what does merciful look like? And, um, what does God have to say about it? Guys, I want to look at your notes there. I put down there on the, mercy is in contrast to justice. Okay? See, justice equals not violating someone else's rights. Where mercy is the surrender of my rights. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but there's a, there's a bit of a, bit of an uproar across the river right now in St. Louis area, over in, specifically in the Ferguson area. I don't know if you've heard about this or not. Okay, but there is a lot of protesting going on, and there is a, a lot of un- uneasiness. And guys, what do you hear them yelling for? Justice. Justice. They are demanding justice. And I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't want to get into any of the whole situation. The only thing I want to say about it is I don't think we really have all the facts. That's all I can say about it. And that's the gist of it. But what you hear is that they are demanding justice. And what they are literally saying is our rights are being violated. And we're not willing to give them up. And I understand the backdrop to that where they say they have been violated for years. And I've seen the proof of that or heard the proof of that. But they're demanding the rights. I don't hear anybody asking for mercy. I, and I, I just say, guys, it's a contrast because I think I got, you know, psst, that makes mercy un-American. Okay? In America, what is it? In, in Pledge Allegiance. How does it end? And justice for all. See, guys, the idea of being merciful and of, of mercy taking place is really un-American. It's not what, the, what you hear when you go out these doors and you listen to your radio and you watch your TV. The idea of offering mercy and receiving mercy is a... It gets very little airtime. What you hear is justice and justice being demanded. And guys, I, I want to point this out because... America claims to be a Christian nation, but we're really, we're really not trying to be like Jesus. You know that? We get those two confused. We get those two confused very often. And as Christians who are trying to follow Jesus, we can get caught up in following what the world offers us and what America tells us instead of what Jesus tells us. And guys, I think it's important that you take note of that. Now, when you look at justice, I mean, you look at mercy, I believe there's a story we have to read. It's in Matthew chapter 18. And it's the parable of the unforgiving debtor. That's the way it's titled. God didn't call it that, but people have called it that. And I want to read through that. And I want this to be a backdrop for as I'm talking, because I'm going to refer back to it at times. And I believe, honestly, you want to know a commentary on mercy, this is it. This is it. It says, Then Jesus came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 77 times, or 70 times seven. Now, Jesus isn't saying literally 490 is the number. Okay, that was a, their way of saying without end. He could say infinite, infinite times is what, is what it means. He goes on, not, not seven times Jesus replied, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife 
his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please, be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay you back, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. You see, guys, this is, again, I'm going to refer back to it. And I just want to point out one thing that I don't really cover in the rest of the notes. Um, And it's kind of, you just need to understand it. And that is, God's going to be as merciful with you as you are with other people. I mean, that is it. And I mean, it goes, we, we, people typically ignore the last couple uh, verses there. And, and what he says is that the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Sent him to prison to be tortured. And then it goes on to say, that is how your heavenly father will deal with you if you refuse to forgive someone from your heart. That's pretty powerful stuff there. And I mean, it's very scary stuff. But I mean, it's the foundation of what we're saying. Bless, bless, you're blessed when you're merciful because then you're going to receive mercy. The counter to that is, you don't offer mercy, God's not going to offer mercy to you. If you're just going to offer conditional mercy to somebody else, or partial mercy to somebody else, or selected mercy... You know, you offer it to those you love and those you like, but somebody you don't, you won't. God's going to use that same standard with you. Now, I don't understand how all that's going to play out. Okay? All I know is I want to be on the right side of that equation. I want to be, no, I think that's the way to do it. Well, what does that mean? Maybe I'm willing to let him be, no, I don't think you want that to happen. The idea is to make it, you know, listen, you have to decide, I want to be a merciful person. Now I want to start out today, <clears throat> and I want to look at merciful versus unmerciful. Okay, well, let's kind of contrast these in real world sense, and look at what they have to say. Now before I do that, I want to read a passage that is not on your notes, because I will refer back to it repeatedly. And it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. If you want to turn there, I'll be reading it in a minute. <clears throat> but guys, it's very important that we understand that the Bible isn't just a bunch of rules. Okay, God is concerned about how we, how we behave, but it's not just a bunch of wor- rules. God really wants us to understand His heart and to become like Him. That is what He is after. Now, guys, with that being said, he said that everything else depends on two things. Loving God and loving people. You see, guys, that's the heart of God. He has a desire for relationship with people. That means we should. He loves people. That means we should. We need to have his heart. And, guys, that's why I chose this passage. And you'll see why, because it it parallels on it. Let me read this to you. You've heard it at weddings. Let's hopefully you'll see it in a new light. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight 
in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always hopes, always trusts, always perseveres. Guys, let's look at this and we'll talk about it. Merciful versus unmerciful. The first one I want to look at is that the merciful, a merciful person overlooks offenses, while the unmerciful is easily offended. Oh, he made that work. Guys, there's a proverb here, in, in it's not in your notes, it's Proverbs chapter 17, verse 9. It says, whoever fosters love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. You see, guys, you want to know, you want to know, I think one of the ways you want to know if you, if you are willing to offer mercy is how easily you are offended. The truth of the matter is, we have all got wounds, and I like to call them triggers, that like to trigger our emotions, just like an addict has triggers that triggers them going back to, to, the, to the drug of their choice. We all have emotional hurts, wounds, whatever you want to call them, that when they are sensitized, when somebody steps on them, when somebody throws salt on our wound, we go into a tizzy pretty quick. You know, it may be that you, it's, it, you, respect is your issue. You're fine. Somebody can take your money. Somebody can, can break your things, material things. But if they show you disrespect, they better watch out. Okay? Everybody has something like this. And what do they do? One of mine is lonely. If I feel lonely, if somebody does something that makes me feel left out or makes me feel stupid, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a struggle with being depressed is what it's going to be. That's, what, that's my trigger. That's where I go. Other people, they lash out in anger. They get their trigger pushed, and guess what? They lash out in anger. They're easily offended. And everybody has something like this. See, but if, you, if you're a merciful person, guess what? You understand that when somebody lashes out at you, you understand, hey, they're just like me and they need mercy just like me and you don't get nearly as upset. Does that make sense? Guys, that's what that's where you're at. Um, some of us, we run around, honestly, we run around like referees. You know, one of the problems with it, do we have any NFL fans in here? I know it's, it's, it's playoff time, but NFL fans, one of the problems... How many of you think it's a problem with the NFL right now? They're throwing too many flags. Turn on the radio. Turn on the radio and your sports talk radio. And they're talking about what's the problem with the NFL? They're throwing too many flags. They're trying to protect the players. Is what they're doing. They've, they've decided they've let them go too far in years gone by, and now they're trying to rein them back in. And there's flags being thrown all over the place, and it is so annoying. Have you ever been around somebody that's like that? You know, you're going along and everything's fine, and then all of a sudden they get real sullen and withdrawn, maybe leave the room, maybe leave the group. And guys, they're offended. And they run around throwing flags, emotional flags. You've hurt me. And the problem is they haven't learned how to be merciful. That's part of the problem, let me say that. There's an opportunity there to learn mercy. But guys, when you're, when you're offering mercy to people, you don't get as offended. That's the way that works. Second one, guys, and this is pretty self-explanatory, is that a merciful person is forgiving and an unmerciful person is unforgiving. That's it. Now, we're not here to talk about forgiveness and define it and talk about how to do it. Guys, you know, when it gets down to it, have you for, when you look at it realistically and you've had a problem with somebody, you've had a conflict Somebody has hurt you. You you have a question. Did I forgive or not? Am I a forgiving person? I I don't think very few of us set that as a goal, do they? You know, I I heard a preacher one time, he was talking about the fruits of the Spirit, you know, and he was talking about gentleness, and he's like, you know, when I die, I, I I just hope they really think I'm a gentle guy. You know, that's not the way guys think. You know, we've got to choose that. And guys, I think forgiveness is the same kind of thing. We don't deal with it till we have to deal with it. We don't deal with it till we think we're supposed to forgive somebody. But guys, 
If you're going to be merciful, forgiveness needs to be a part of your character. It needs to be. Second thing here, guys, or next one, is that a merciful person investigates while an unmerciful person judges. Oh, hello. You see, guys, in that passage that I just looked at, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the, with the truth. It rejoices with the truth. See, my basic problem with, some, with a lot of what I hear in Ferguson is that they've already decided, they don't have all the facts, but they've made a judgment on what the truth is. Okay? And I'm not saying a wrong wasn't done there. But I'm saying they've made a judgment without the facts. And I can't, I, I, I love it. You hear a commentator, he'll say, well, we don't, we don't know that yet. We don't know this yet. We've, see guys, and that's the case, is you've got to decide how you want to be. Are you going to, are you going to be one who's willing to investigate? Are you going to give the benefit of the doubt? When you hear somebody said something and you're offended, do you say, well, I need to find out what was real, what really happened? Or you just instantly get upset. One of the things, I, I can't tell you, rarely does a week go by that I do not have a conversation with somebody and they're talking about a situation. And so I said, well, did they say that to you or, or did you hear that? Well, I heard that. Oh, so-and-so told me. Oh, well, maybe you need to go to the source. Maybe you need to find out because right now you're making a judgment and you've made, a, you've made an assumption and a judgment based off that assumption, and your assumption could be wrong. And I love it. I can't tell you how many times. Alan and I have had this conversation, and he's all upset, and he comes back, and he goes, yeah, I was wrong. You know, guys, when you investigate, you find out. You, how many times have you, have you thought you heard something, or you heard something, and when you, when you did the investigation, you found out you were given misinformation? Has that ever happened? You know, which, which time this morning has it happened? You know, I cannot begin to tell you. You know, biggest, one, of the, one of the biggest struggles in my marriage is communication. I think I do a pretty good job. Susan doesn't receive communication the way I send it. And what I'm learning is my kids are the same way. They're just like their mother. <laughs> what I'm learning, and that's a joke, okay? What I'm learning is, yeah, she's not here today. I can say what I want. <laughs> Guys, what I'm learning is I, I don't do as good a job as communicating as I think. You know, I spoke with my son. I said, hey, I need to know what hours you can available to work with your school schedule. Okay. He gave me those, those where I said, well, what about these two? Are those a.m. or p.m.? You're talking about, well, it's p.m. Okay, I'm not sure if that'll work. Let's talk tomorrow. Why weren't you at work today? Well, well, I thought it was assumed you were going to start this schedule. No, he said we were going to talk today. Oh, that's right. Okay. Guys, that's what you're saying. A merciful person investigates and gives the benefit of the doubt until they get investigate. Because you don't rejoice in evil. You're not looking for people to be bad. You're looking... To understand what happened. Guy with the unmerciful, they judge. See, you know, guys, I think there's some reason. Let me read this proverb to you. And this is this all by itself. When it comes to you hearing something somebody said, or even if they said something to you, okay, and you need to ask for further further clarification. It says the first to tell his story, I mean sorry, to tell his case seems right. Then someone else comes forward and questions him. It's in Proverbs 18, verse 17. And guys, what it is, is when you first hear something, it sounds right. It sounds, yes, I can see that happening. And then you investigate and what happens. See, mercy says what? I don't want there to be something between us. So I'm going to investigate and I'm going to have the benefit of the doubt and even if, even if it proves to be true, if what I heard is true, my posture is going to be one that says, instead of 
throwing flags. It's just going to simply say, man, that hurt. Or wow, why did you say that? Or do you think that's right? It's going to be merciful to where they are versus you executing judgment. And guys, a lot of times when judgment, we all have to make judgments, don't we? I mean, we can look at things as right or wrong. The real problem when, when it, with judgment is when you pronounce sentence. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can look and you can do something wrong to me and I can go, yeah, that was wrong. But the problem comes when I pronounce a sentence on you. That means you cannot be close to me. That means I cannot trust you. That means I will keep my distance from you. That's where judgment becomes an issue. Let's move on. Next one, guys. A merciful person is patient, while an unmerciful person is impatient. And that gets back, this may be a little bit redundant on what we just talked about. Sometimes investigating things takes time. That takes patience. That takes not getting yourself all worked up. While impatient, what? Reacts quickly. Moving on, guys. And this is, this is one of the next ones that I was just talking about. Is that is, a merciful person reconciles with people. While an unmerciful person stews. Sometimes I feel like we're human crockpots. You know what I'm saying? Turn it on low and just let it simmer. And we'll be at a boil before you know it. You know, and not only will it take, may take us a little while to get there, we will stay there for a long time. Because that's what a crock pot does. You see, guys, which are you more interested in? We talked about earlier about having the heart of God. God has a heart for reconciling with people. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross, because he said, I don't want there to be anything standing between us. I want to have a relationship with you so bad, I'm willing to let my son die this horrific death on the cross for you. That's the heart of God. He says, I'm willing to, Jesus said, because he was God too, he says, I have a heart to reconcile people, so I'm willing to quit being God. I'm willing to give up my rights as God so that I can reconcile you to me. You know, guys, an unmerciful person says, no, my rights have been violated, and I'm not letting go. I'm going to stay unreconciled with whoever I'm bothered with. I am going to stay divided from whomever I'm bothered with. There it is. Um, You see, guys, the verse, again, going back to 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. You see, if you're going to have a heart to be reconciled with people, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to trust, and you're going to have to hope, and you're going to have to persevere. Because the reality of the situation is, people don't change overnight. Is any married person in here have something their spouse does It's they've done for years? Yeah. <laughs> that is just the truth of the matter. Every one of us, if you're married, your spouse has something on you. You know, whether it's simple like you won't put your clothes in the hamper or you're sarcastic. And the truth is, they're not going to change that overnight. The important stuff, they're not. The question is, are you going to have a heart to persevere? And that's going to be determined by if you have a heart to reconcile. Or do you have a heart that says, I'm just going to stew on it. I'm going to claim hold my hold of my rights and claim them, and I'm not letting them go. Guys, a few years ago, I used to say that Greater Alton had an epidemic of, of immaturity. That we, as a people, hadn't learned how to mature as, in following Jesus. And we've, we're dealing with that, and we are growing past that. Guys, in the book uh, by Randy Harris on Living Jesus, I think it was the end of chapter 5, he ended with this statement. And he says, we need an epidemic of reconciliation. 
And guys, that's just the truth. What if we are known as a group of people that don't let things bother us, that don't let things get between us, that help relationships grow? Churches are known for one big thing besides gossip. It's dividing. That is it. Now, I understand that not every, everything can be brought, and I know there's two parts to every story, and sometimes things can't be, be brought or deal. But what's your heart? Where is your heart? Do you have a heart? I mean, that was one of the things that challenged me in my maturity growth a few years back was I didn't have a heart to reconcile. When I got divided with somebody, I was like, okay, on them, their problem. And I didn't have a heart to reconcile them to look at my part of the problem. Finally, guys, the last one here is uh, the merciful are selfless. And the, and the unmerciful are selfish. So it says that love is not self-seeking. I had a, last night, um, my daughter was leaving the house. And she goes, oh, you're preaching tomorrow. And I said, yeah, I'm preaching tomorrow. And she says, are you going to talk about me? And I said... I don't know, maybe. Didn't realize she was giving me material at the time. And she says, well, you haven't talked about me in a while. (laughs) Well, you know that's not why they have me up there. And so I just thought I'd share here just for fun. This is is the ringtone I have for my daughter, okay? Thank you, dear. <laughs> Guys, that's fun, but the truth of the matter is, by, by nature, we are all selfish human beings. We care about ourselves first. That is the way we are. When we become selfless, it's a choice. You know, when you look at a group picture who do you, and you're in it, who do you look for first? You look for yourself. How many have ever bought a newspaper because you heard your name was in the paper? You know, when I, I used to be in high school, my name was in there, I'd underline it. Guys, we, we, we want to we care about us first. And guys, that, that's what you've got to understand. If you're going to be unmerciful, you can't seek what you want. You've got to be willing to give up your rights. If you're going to be merciful, you have to be willing to give up your rights. That means you're not out for what you want. You're not out for what you want. Okay, guys, so very quickly, three things. How do I become a merciful person? The first one is, I decide I want to be like Jesus. Now, that sounds really basic, doesn't it? Guys, I want to just tell you, this isn't a given for a person who claims to be a Christian. Do you know that? I mean, when you say the word Christian in America, it means all kinds of things. And it is not a given when a person says, I'm a Christian, or I'm a follower of Christ, or I'm a disciple. It does not mean that they have made a conscious decision to be like Jesus. And I say that as one who was guilty of that for a number of years. I tried to follow rules. I tried to perform. I tried to do what people in the church thought I should do. I tried to be a leader. But a handful of years ago, I realized I didn't have it as a, my goal to be like Jesus. You see, because there's some things about being like Jesus I'm not really in fi- favor of. Anything, you got anything like that? You know, that whole dying thing, I'm not in favor of. Dying painfully, I'm less in favor of. Okay, persecuting, persecuted, I don't like that idea. But guys, there's other things that are less like, you know, like we just talked about. Jesus being gentle. I don't naturally want to be a gentle person. I don't naturally want to be a forgiving person. Guys, it has to be a choice of do I want to be like Jesus or not. Look at these passages here. One's in Mark chapter 8. It says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
Guys, the very nature of being a Christian is following Jesus. And the very nature, as He defines it, following Him means that you deny yourself. It says you take up your cross, which means you die to yourself. And I quit using the term Christian most of the time to describe myself. I'm talking to somebody and I am talking about uh, my faith and trying to share my faith with them. I don't say I'm a Christian. I don't say that. And I do it for two reasons. One, because I don't think it means much in today's world and can actually have a negative connotation to, depending on who you're talking to. The other is for me. And this is the bigger reason that I describe myself, and I started this a few years ago, where it says, I tell people, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you see, that reminds me that what? Following Jesus isn't just about my religion. Following Jesus means I want to be like Jesus. Guys, if you want to be like Jesus, becoming merciful will be part of it. It'll be part of it. So guys, you've got to do that. You've got to do that. Let me read a passage of Scripture here, guys, that just challenges this idea of, of being like Jesus and being merciful. This is in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. It says, Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, giving something to drink. In doing so, or in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. Guys, that last sentence there, I, I, I'm willing to put up with evil. Okay? I'm willing to put up with evil. But overcoming evil with good and doing good for my enemies, I'm not particularly fond of that. Guys, that's what following Jesus... And I, I bring this up because... How committed are you to being like Jesus? That's the question I leave you with on this point, is have I really decided that I want to be like Jesus? See, normally, guys, we only want to be like Jesus when it benefits us. But, guys, giving mercy is is, is a test. And you're not going to pass that test unless you decide you want to be like Jesus. Second thing, guys, and this is key, to becoming merciful, and that is you can focus on the mercy given me. Focus on the mercy given me. What does that mean? Guys, in the, in the parable we read from Matthew 18 as we started the day, I'm going to reread an excerpt of it for you. It's, it'll be up on the screen. It says, But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars, grabbed him by the throat, and demanded instant payment. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you the tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? You see, guys, you've heard of 12-step programs. When it comes to becoming merciful, there's a one-step program. And that is you need to understand how much mercy God's had on you. That's it. That's all he talks about here. You know, he says what? Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? You see, guys, I think very few of us are acutely aware of how sinful we really are. Have been and continue to be. We just don't know that. And honestly... We're probably not very excited about finding out. I was talking with, uh, we were at elders meeting this week, Tim and Alan and I, and we were talking about uh, young men. We can do that because we used to be young men. Young men do foolish things. Is that fair to say? Very fair. 
It's the old men saying that, young guys, okay? Just so you know that. I often said, I wish I had a video of me as a teenager and as a young man. Because I'd like to see what it really looked like. Now, if I had that video, I probably couldn't watch it all in one setting. And that's not because of time. That was because it would probably disgust me. And I just couldn't believe that I was that bad on what I did and was that foolish and that stupid. But guys, the context of our conversation was very simple. These are young men. This is what young men do. This is what we did. And what is it? all we do is we understand is God didn't wipe us off the face of the planet for the stupid things we did. Okay? He didn't put us in a hole that was so deep we could never get out of it. God had mercy on us. He didn't, he, we did not, I, I did not face the consequences for all the stupid things I've done. Guys, what does that do? What, how does that impact my view of young men in my life now who do foolish things? I have mercy. I understand that, look, we came out of it. I came out of it. Guess what? They can too. They can too. Guys, that's, that's what Jesus is saying here. You want to learn how to be a merciful person. You understand how much mercy I've had for you. That's it. Guys, the question there that I'm leaving you with is, do I see my sin clearly? Do I see it clearly? You want to be merciful to people? You need to see your sin clearly. The last one, guys, the last thing that we need to do if we're going to become merciful is practice giving up my rights. Practice giving up my rights. Anytime that you have a conflict or you have a beef with somebody, you are probably holding on to some right that you feel entitled to. Most likely that is the case. And guys, you've just got to practice giving up that right. You've just got to say, I'm not entitled to that. And let me say something about our rights real quick. My rights aren't always right. You understand what I'm saying? Just because I feel entitled to something doesn't make it right. You know, as a married man, God says I am entitled to a sexual relationship with my wife. Okay? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I am entitled to a sexual relationship with my wife. Now, the problem comes in that... The problem with that is that before I was ever married, I was exposed to a couple things. One of them was pornography, the printed kind, not the digital kind. I was exposed to pornography, which I was exposed to lust. I learned how to lust and fantasize in my mind. I was exposed to Charlie's Angels in the 70s. Okay? I had these thoughts. I had these ideas. And I made a decision that I was waiting until marriage, and we did. We waited till we were married, for we had a sexual relationship. And, but the problem was, I had a very perverted view of what that sexual relationship was supposed to be like. And I had an idea that I was entitled to that sexual relationship, the way it went in my mind. And God goes, no, you don't. And I can't tell you guys for how many years I was claiming a right that was wrong. And so guys, and, and I didn't, I didn't, any, anything like this, guys, you don't get past it till you start giving it up. And you start realizing, oh wait, maybe I wasn't entitled to that. Oh, maybe I was wrong about what I expected. Guys, but right now, if you're having a beef with somebody, or you're having a problem, you're most likely claiming a right that you need to let go of. And it may, be, it may be that that right is wrong. I don't know that. But that's a possibility you need to understand that exists. You see, guys, this is what it says about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. It says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. 
though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. You see, guys, Jesus' existence here on earth meant he had to let go of being God. He became a human being in every way, just, just like we were, or we are, excuse me. And he went through all the pain and suffering because he didn't claim his rights. Now please be clear, when I say our rights aren't right, some of our rights are wrong, his rights were all right. And he was willing to give them up. So guys, I just want to challenge you, I want to encourage you, that if, especially if you're in a beef with somebody, especially if you're uneasy about something, if you've got something going on, ask God to show you what right He wants you to give up. Because guys, that's how you become a merciful person. That's how we have a merciful person. Guys, there's a card in your, in your, uh, in your bulletins there that we ask people to fill out uh, gives us an opportunity to, 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 to pray. And guys, more importantly, it gives you an opportunity to, to jot down something that you can ask prayed for, that you think, you know, maybe something you've been challenged by, maybe it's something that's gone on in your week, whatever the case is. Father, I, guys, I just want to encourage you as I pray to be thinking about, maybe there's some right you need to be giving up. Maybe you've said, I've never really decided I want to be like Jesus. I still try to... Con- Make my life the way I want it. And guys, uh, I'll pray. The group will come out and sing, and then you can fill out the cards, and they'll collect them. All righty? Let's pray. Father, you are amazing to me. And Father, I love the way you are and the way you reveal yourself. Father, I don't know. Wh- I do know where I'd be. I'd be. I'd be dead if it wasn't for your mercy. If it wasn't for you being merciful to me, forgiving me, not enforcing your rights on me, Father, I'd be somewhere else. God, right now, everybody in this room, this is a big room, there's a lot of people, and everybody's in a different place. And Father, right now, I just want to I, I ask you to touch the hearts of people here and Father, show them what's going on within their heart. Father, I can tell you that I sleep a lot better at night. I have less turmoil in my life as I've learned to be a merciful person. And Father, I just, I just want to pray that you, we can experience that. And we can be a people who has a heart for reconciliation as we learn to become merciful. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.